All right, so uh, it feels like it's been a little while since we've been back in the series, so I'll just give you a little bit of a recap in terms of where we've been. Uh, as a reminder, we started this series back uh, in the fall called Follow Me, because we decided that we wanted to take just a much closer look at Jesus and the movement he began and what he did and what he taught, since you know, to be a Christian means to be like Christ, and if we want to be like Christ, then we have to know what Christ was like. So we decided we're going to look at the book of Luke, we're going to see what Jesus did, what Jesus taught, how we can become like him. Uh, and in the course of this series, in the course of the book of Luke, there's a couple sections that sort of lend themselves well to short little mini-series, and this is one of them, Jesus' Sermon on the Plain in Luke chapter 6. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. So we're doing this little mini-series called Plain Truth, based on Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. We're seeing some of the things that he taught, uh, and how we can apply those to our lives, and so... We're going to dive into a section today that I think has been one of the most misunderstood, maybe misapplied uh, sections of Jesus' teaching. Um, we'll start in uh, verse 37. Uh, this is what Jesus, he starts out with this. He says, do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. You've probably heard this quoted a uh, time or two, you know. Uh, especially by somebody who doesn't want to be judged, right? You know, somebody who's doing something and feels judged, and so they quote Jesus' words saying, judge not lest ye be judged, or judge not and ye be not judged. Uh, this is really, I think this is one of the most misinterpreted, misapplied scriptures uh, in the Bible. Uh, because taken, taken wrongly, taken out of context, taken out of the context of scripture as a whole, it sort of makes it seem like, well, we just, that means we can't really call anything wrong or right or call anything bad or good. Um, since that's what the word judge means, right? The word judge just means to discern. Um, so somebody will be doing something, somebody else will say, you shouldn't do that, and they would say, well, you know, don't judge unless you want to be judged. Um, and that's really, we, we have to understand this in light of the, the greater context of Scripture. right? We know that Jesus, uh, all of the time, he separated right from wrong. Paul separated right from wrong. You know, we have to, aren't we thankful that we have a system, you know, where if somebody wrongs us, you know, there's a judge who's going to determine who was right and who was wrong and, you know, bring justice. And so uh, we're going to look, look at this a little closer because this doesn't mean that we can't ever call right from wrong and black from right and say that this is okay and this is not okay. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not saying that it's, you know, you should never judge. So let's look at this in a, in a little bigger context. The, the whole verse says this. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Uh, and so uh, a lot of times there's a lot of scholars who believe that this is talking about that the way that we treat others is the way that God is going to treat us. That if, that if we judge other people, then God is going to judge us. If we condemn other people, then God is going to condemn us. If we forgive other people, then God is going to forgive us. Uh, and that's certainly a possibility uh, in, in terms of interpreting this. I'm not so sure that that's what is going on in this particular section. So I'm going to explain to you sort of, based on my study, where I come to on this, and I'll let you sort of decide on your own if you want to go do any further reading. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of scholars who are going to disagree with me. There's lots of theologians who disagree basically on, on every topic. So you can usually find somebody who wants to support you if that's, if that's how you want to go. But this is what I think is going on here. I think Jesus, he's not saying that uh, don't ever judge anybody um, or God is going to judge you. Don't ever condemn anybody or God's going to condemn you. Uh, we know from the greater context that it's okay. We, we do have a responsibility to, to call right from wrong. We do have a responsibility to work for justice, to say that certain things are good and certain things are not good. That's, that's all a part of our responsibility as Christians. 
Here's what I think that Jesus is saying in this particular section, and I'll explain it a little bit more fully as we go along. I think what Jesus is saying is that if you are in the habit of being a judgmental person, then you are going to receive judgment from others. In other words, I think he's, he's speaking proverbially here. He's talking about, you know, just in the general course of life, if, if you're in the habit, if you frequently judge other people, then don't be surprised if other people are judging you. If what you're giving out is judgment all of the time, then don't be surprised if what you're getting back from others is judgment. A, a sort of, you're going to reap what you sow, so, so to speak. Same with condemning. If you're in the habit of always condemning other people for what they do, then don't be surprised when the people around you are condemning you for what you do. Sort of, the, what you give out is sort of what you can expect to receive back in return. Likewise, if you forgive, if you're in the habit of forgiving, then, then other people are going to be quick to forgive you. You're going to get back what you give out, what, what you, you know, the whole, you know, the common phrase, what goes around comes around. I think Jesus is sort of saying this is, if you act in this way, then this is what you're going to get back in return. And we all sort of know this, right? We know people who are really judgmental and condemning, and, you know, and we feel then, if they're judgmental and condemning, that we want to judge them back, right? That's just sort of human nature. I think Jesus is, is letting us peek into human nature a little bit here. People will, will give back to you what it is that you're giving out. So if you're walking around and you're always judging and condemning other people, chances are you're going to feel the same thing from them. But if you're quick to forgive, if you're quick to offer forgiveness to others, then don't be surprised if others are quick to offer forgiveness to you. We tend to get back what we give out. Uh, see, I, I don't necessarily believe that Jesus is talking about divine judgment and forgiveness here. That, that may be a part of it, uh, and there are other sections of Scripture that, that would back that up. But in this particular case, I, I think he's really talking about just in the human realm, what we give out is what we're going to get back from others. So if, if you want, you know, the, the great golden rule, right? Treat other people how you would like to be treated. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Jesus tells us that on, on this hangs all the law and the prophets. Do to other people as you would have them do to you. If you want people to be forgiving and kind and gracious and compassionate to you, then you be kind and gracious and forgiving and compassionate to other people. You're going to attract the same sort of things that you give out. I think Jesus is just, you know, sort of like the book of Proverbs is a book of common wisdom of the day. Jesus is giving us some common wisdom here. If you don't want people to judge you, then don't go around judging everybody else. If you don't want people to condemn you, then don't go around condemning everybody else. If you want people to forgive you, then, then be quick to offer forgiveness first. You'll, you'll get back what you receive. And the next verse sort of explains why I think this is what Jesus is getting at in this particular section. He says, give, and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, if you look on the screen, you'll see that I've highlighted will be poured into your lap. This is from the New International Version. Uh, and I usually, I, I don't want to get into the Greek, uh, but I don't think that this is the very best translation of, of what's happening in the Greek here. So forgive me, I'm going to get a little technical with you. I usually try to stay away from the Greek and grammar and all of that. Uh, not everybody is a Greek nerd or a grammar nerd like I am. Uh, but in this particular case, I, I've got to get a little detailed and a little technical with you to explain why I'm coming to this particular conclusion. So the, the phrase here, will be poured, uh, comes from the Greek word, dosusin. Okay, that's, that's the Greek word. Uh, if you were to parse that out grammatically, it is a future verb 
uh, active voice, indicative mood, third person plural. You all know what that means, right? That's <laughs> you've all in all of your Greek studies, right? So future active. Uh, what I want you to pay attention to is that it's active voice, third person plural. But when you look at how the New International Version translates it, it says will be poured, which if just in English, for those of you who are grammar nerds, and if not, just take my word for it, okay, uh, that is passive singular. A good measure will be poured, that's passive singular. The Greek is active plural. So the THT, that's the Thomas Horrocks translation, okay, um, the Thomas Horrocks translation, a good measure they will pour. That's how, you know, if you look at the, the verb, the way that it is in Greek, that's how it ought to be translated. They will pour, which, which raises the question, well, who is they, right? Who is they? Because there's no they in the context. Uh, here, actually, the King James Version does a pretty good job uh, of getting at it. Uh, good measure shall men pour, because it's third person plural. So the King James actually says, shall men pour into your lap. In other words, um, it's not that it's just going to magically, if you're generous, then generosity is going to magically be poured into your lap. Uh, it's that if you're generous, then other people are going to be generous to you. Uh, here's how the rest of the verse goes. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So this raises the question, well, who is the they? Well, if you look in the greater context, Jesus is talking about our love for others, the way that we treat others, if we judge others, if we condemn others, if we are forgiving towards others, if we are generous towards others, then others will be generous towards us. So that's the they that Jesus is talking about. Um, it, they will pour into your lap. And so, you know, this whole idea of pressed down and shaken together and running over, you know, it sort of that doesn't make sense to us necessarily in our American context, right? When you go to the grocery store, uh, most of what we buy is prepackaged, right? And so if you go and you buy a box of Cheerios, it usually says, um, you know, packaged by weight and not by volume, right? You've probably seen that somewhere on one of these boxes of cereal or chips or something like that, where they, they sell it by weight and not by volume, which is why you buy a box of Cheerios and you get home, and it only looks about half full, right? You open it up and there's only about half full. It's because they do it by weight and not by volume. Well, in ancient times, when you went to the market, if you were to buy a measure of grain and you went to a, a good uh, dealer of grain, what they would do, um, you know, a lot of times people would have these, these cloaks with pockets or, or, or maybe you had a, a bucket or some sort of container, and what they would do is they would, they would pour in the grain uh, and then they would take that and they would shake it down like that box of Cheerios to make sure that all that extra room gets out, and then they'd press it and then they would pour more in and they'd shake it and they'd press it to overflowing. And so if you went to a good dealer, they would, that's how you would get your basket of grain. So if you bought Cheerios in the ancient world, you wouldn't get a half-empty box. You'd get a container that they pour the Cheerios in and they shake it down and sort of press it, making sure that you're getting the full measure, the full volume of what you give. So that's what Jesus is saying, that if, if we are generous people, if, if we give, if we're generous in our, in our giving towards others, then other people are going to be generous in giving towards us. Now, I'm not going to say that there's absolutely no divine element to this, right? I believe that, that God honors when we give. That's, that's very biblical, that's very scriptural, that, that God will bless us back when we give. But how does God do that? How does God show us generosity? Have any of you ever received a check signed by God? No? No, I have another. Usually when God uh, extends generosity to us, he does it through other people, right? 
when we're generous towards others, you know, we believe that it's, that it's God providing for them, but he does that through our generosity. And when we receive generosity, it's usually from other people. I've never had um, a direct deposit from the bank of heaven. That's just, you know, that's, that's never happened, right? I've never had... Um, you know, cash just falls straight from the sky. Usually when God has met my need in a, in a divine, miraculous way, I feel, he's done it through somebody else. And so Jesus is showing us here that, that the way that we want others to treat us, the way that we would like to be treated, is the way that we should then treat others. If we don't want to feel like we're judged, then we should not go around judging everybody else. That doesn't mean we can't call right from wrong and black from white and all of that other stuff, but it means that you know, in, our, in our attitudes and our dispositions towards others, we ought to be humble and we ought to be kind and generous and forgiving because that's how we want others to treat us. If we want others to be generous towards us, we ought to be generous towards others. And, and there's a principle here you know, that we, you just can't outgive. You can't outgive. There's a, I don't know if you've been to the um, coffee shop, the poor house downtown, they've got a quote. I believe it's from Helen Keller. It says, nobody has ever become poorer by giving. Nobody's ever become poorer by giving because God tells us that one way or another, usually through somebody else, it, there's no way that we can outgive his generosity towards us. And so the, as, as generous as we are towards the church and towards others and towards people who are in need and towards one another in the church, as generous as we are, then God's going to figure out a way to bring that generosity back towards us. He's going to figure out a way to bring that forgiveness back towards us. So here is, uh, this is from Luke 6, 36 through 38. This is the uh, Thomas Horrocks paraphrase, okay? Thomas Horrocks paraphrase. This is not the Thomas Horrocks translation. There's a difference. Translations usually are, are closer to one for one, uh, you know, where one word is translated directly into one other word. Uh, paraphrases are usually more to capture the, the essence or the idea. So this is the Thomas Horrocks paraphrase. If you're judgmental, people will be judgmental toward you. If you condemn folks, they'll condemn you. If you're quick to forgive others, they will be quick to forgive you. If you're generous, people will be generous to you. And chances are you know this to be true from experience, right? As, as you're kind and forgiving and generous. Not everybody, this isn't like a magic formula, right? That if, if you're not judgmental, then nobody's ever going to judge you. Or that if you're generous, people are always going to be generous. But as a general rule of life, that's what Proverbs usually are. Proverbs aren't magic formulas that if you apply it, it always comes true. But as a general rule of life, the way that you want to treat others, what, what you give out is what's going to come back in. What you give out is what's going to come back in. That's just a general rule of life. And Jesus is pointing that out to his audience here. So once he finishes up with that, he moves on to something else. And this is what he says. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. This is another one of those sections of scripture that is often misapplied, right? The blind leading the blind. You hear that phrase quite a bit. Um, it shows how, you know, just common phrases from the Bible have become in, in English vocabulary. Uh, so to, to really understand what's going on in this particular parable, we have to understand, again, the context in which Jesus was living and in which he was ministering. Um, it, some of Jesus' audience, some of his fiercest critics, were the Pharisees, right? The Pharisees were doing very similar things to what Jesus was doing. They were gathering up disciples, and, was, and they were trying to teach them the way that, that they ought to live in a way that was pleasing to God. And so Jesus here, we, what we sort of have is, is a subtle jab, a subtle barb, 
towards these Pharisees who are teaching things that are contrary to Jesus. Jesus is basically saying, you know, the blind can't lead the blind. And the blind that he's referring to here is most likely the Pharisees who are, who are building up their ministries and gathering their disciples but are, are teaching them things that are very, very wrong according to the kingdom of God, according to what Jesus has been teaching. So Jesus is saying, if you, you need to be careful who it is that you follow. You need to be careful who it is that you follow because if you're following somebody that's blind, then you're both going to end up in the, in the ditch on the side of the road, right? You've got to be careful. So, and again, this is to, to be careful not to take this too broad, um, but be careful who it is that you're following. And here's why. Jesus says, the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. So here's the principle. We become like those we follow, right? We become like those that we follow. So we want to be careful that we're following the right people. That's why we're doing this series. It's why I, I really wanted to get into the, the actual words and teachings and deeds of Jesus to make sure that, that who we're following is Jesus. You know, at the end of the day, I, um, you know, Paul would say things like, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And, and as the pastor, you know, I, there, there's an essence in which you, you are following me. And so my responsibility is to make sure that, that I'm following Christ. And so this is for me too. But we want to become like those that we follow. And so if we're followers of Christ... We want to become like Christ. So Jesus is saying, pay attention, right, to these, these people who are sitting in his audience. You don't just listen to everybody who, who says that they uh, have a message from God. Uh, because if you end up following the blind, then you're going to follow them right into the ditch. And so be careful who it is that you follow. That's why we as Christians want to be really, really sure that, that we're following Christ. And so as we dive into Luke, we might, be, we might find, and we found already, that some of the things that maybe we followed, some of the things that maybe we thought were Christian uh, as, as we grew up in the faith, really didn't have much to do with Christ at all. Maybe some of the, the teachings that, that we brought, were brought up under were, were more American than they were Christian, or were, were more modern than they were Christian. So that's why we're taking this time to really look, what did Jesus actually say? What did he do? Because we, we don't want to become like somebody who, who says that they're following Jesus, but, but doesn't look anything like him. Uh, once again, this is why I, you know, I encourage you and I challenge you. Don't just take my word for it, right? You know, just, just because I'm up here doesn't automatically mean that I'm right. So, you know, do what the, do what the uh, Berean Jews did when they heard the scriptures. They, they searched the scriptures daily, whether these things were so. If you think that I'm not right in something that I say, then, then go to scripture and challenge me and let me know. I mean, that's how this, this ought to work. Just because I'm up here, just because I, I you know, went to school for this, doesn't mean that I'm going to get everything right. Um, and so as we do this together, hopefully we'll all together realize and come to follow Jesus. But, but be careful who you follow because we become like those that we follow. In other words, don't follow somebody that you don't want to become like. Um, it's another application there. So he moves on from that parable, and, and he says this. He says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? All right, so Jesus is getting back. He's, he's sort of going back to this idea of being judgmental. Right? Why are you trying to pull a speck out of somebody else's eye when you yourself have a big old log in yours, right? How are you going to be able to see clearly to pull a speck out of your, your neighbor's eye if, if you've got a log in your own eye? 
How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? In other words, Jesus is saying, before we go around judging everybody else, take a little bit of time and do a little bit of self-examination. You know, make sure that you're not being a hypocrite in this whole process. As a matter of fact, that's what he says. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now notice what Jesus doesn't say. Again, this is, this is a scripture that's often misapplied. This doesn't mean that we can never pull the speck out of our neighbor's eye, right? It just means that we need to examine ourselves first. Are we humble enough to examine ourselves and see maybe where we might have the plank in our own eye? I tell you what, every time I get up to preach, every time I study this text, I've got to do that. I've got to be like, oh my goodness. You know, and there's a certain sense in which, as a preacher, I automatically make myself a hypocrite, right? Because I'm preaching to you a standard that I cannot keep perfectly. Uh, I'm, you know, only one, only one preacher ever perfectly kept the standard that he preached. Um, so, you know, in a sense, every time I get up here, I make myself a hypocrite. But it, it's a challenge to me to say, okay, if I'm going to expect this of the people that I'm preaching to, am I really doing it myself? Uh, that came up for me this past week, right? If I'm going to ask people to, to be generous towards others, am I being generous towards others? And so it really, um, it, it forces me to really examine my own life as I do this. So again, Jesus isn't saying you you can't ever pull the speck out of somebody else's eye. He's saying, before you do that, make sure you take a look at your own life. Don't let your message be be, um, criticized because you're a hypocrite, right? Um, Now, and again, with that, I want to, truth can and often does come from the mouth of a hypocrite, right? I mean, every preacher, every preacher, truth can and does come from the mouth of a hypocrite. So we ought to be willing to receive it, right? We should never, we should never tell somebody, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to listen to you because you're a hypocrite. If what they tell us is true, we should ask ourselves, are we humble enough to receive it, even if they're not doing it, right? I mean, that's, um, uh, every parent probably knows that, right? Every parent has told their kid not to do something that they probably did when they were a teenager, Right? <laughs> and that's because sometimes you know better. I'm telling you not to do it because I know how bad it was for me. Um, but so don't, don't miss the point of this that just because somebody's a hypocrite doesn't mean that what they're telling you isn't true or, or that you shouldn't do it. But for those of us who tell people, we, we don't want to discount our message by being hypocritical about it. So getting back to judgment. So then Jesus changes gears again and he says this He says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor Does a bad tree bear good fruit? Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People don't pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars, right? This is just general knowledge. If you go and and you go to an apple farm and you pick an apple off of a tree, you know that it's an apple tree. If I take you to an orchard and I point to a tree that says that's an apple tree and it's full of peaches, then you know that it's not an apple tree because the tree is known by its fruit. No matter how much, even if I have put a sign in front that says this is an apple tree, but it's growing peaches, it's not an apple tree, it's a peach tree. You know a tree by its fruit. Jesus takes this obvious example that we all know from just regular life, and this is the application. He says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The heart speaks what the mouth, I'm sorry, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In other words, so if we tie this back full circle to where we started with with don't judge lest you be judged, 
don't condemn, lest you be condemned, the things that are coming out of our mouth are a good indication of what's in our heart. Right? The fruit that we bear is a good indication of whose we are. Jesus says we'll know them by their fruits. So here's where it gets a little more tricky. Those, for those of us who say that we're Christians, are we bearing Christian fruits? Christian fruit is love and joy and peace and kindness and gentleness and self-control. These are fruits of the Spirit, fruit of those who follow Christ. And so we have an obligation, right? If somebody claims to be something, we have a right to look at the fruit and say, what fruit is being produced here? If it's not fruit that looks like Jesus, we have a right to question what kind of tree it really is. What comes out of our mouth on a regular basis is an indication of what's in our hearts. So if what's coming out of our mouth on a regular basis is judgmentalism and condemnation and bickering and complaining and judging and, and, and all of this other stuff, then we, that's an indication to us that, that what's in our heart is judgmentalism and condemnation and not the love and the forgiveness and the peace that, that Jesus says ought to characterize his followers. We're known by our fruits, and our fruit is manifested by what comes out of our mouth. Jesus got himself in trouble because it used to be, you know, the, the religious leaders of the day thought that it, it, that it was what went into your mouth that defiled you. That's why you didn't eat certain unclean foods. You would defile yourself by what you put in your mouth, and Jesus says, no, 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 no. What defiles you is what comes out of your mouth, because what comes out of your mouth is actually coming out of your heart. And where your heart is, that's how you know what kind of tree you are and whose you belong to. So here's the bottom line. Whatever is on the inside will come out. And what we sow is what we will reap. So if you look around and you, and you ask yourself, you know, what kind of, how are people treating me around me? If, if you don't like the way that people around you are treating you, Maybe, not necessarily, but maybe that's an indication that you need to check your heart and check your mouth. Maybe if, if, if the things that are coming out of my mouth, if, I, if I'm feeling judged and condemned and, and all this other stuff, maybe I need to check, am I judging and condemning the people around me? If I'm not receiving the forgiveness that I feel like I should receive from others, am I free to give out the, the forgiveness that, that others deserve from me? Uh, am I being generous? What's coming out of my mouth is an indication of what's in my heart. What's on the inside will come out. And what comes out, what we sow, is what we're going to reap. So that's what Jesus is telling us here in this portion of his Sermon on the Plain. So this week, as you go forward, pay attention to what comes out of your mouth as an indication of what's in your heart. And if you don't like what's coming out, then change what's going in and what you're thinking about and, and, and what you're feeding yourself spiritually. Because what comes out is what's on the inside. Father, we thank you for preserving this truth for us in scriptures. We thank you for the words of Jesus as they speak to us, as they perhaps minister to us, as they perhaps challenge us, as they perhaps maybe uh, convict us, if, if that's where we are. Father, we know, that, we know that we'll never be perfect, but we also know that you've given us your spirit that empowers us to be like your son. And so as we trust in that, Father, just... Help us to, to be the kind of people that we want others to be to us. Help us to be forgiving, generous, loving, kind people so that we can uh, experience the, those same kinds of things, Father. Help, 
Thank you for this truth for teaching us that the, we ought to be the kind of people that we want others to be towards us and help us to be those kind of people. Father, thanks for this service and thanks for the meal that we're going to have together. We just pray that it brings fellowship and health and strength and nourishment to our bodies, both physically and spiritually. We thank you for these things in Jesus' strong name. Amen.